Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. My name is Scott. I'm the pastor here at Blue Ridge. And whether you're joining us online or online campus or you're here in person, we are so glad that you're here. And listen, if this is your first time joining us, either online or in person, you can relax. We're not going to make you introduce yourself. We're not going to make you stand up or do anything crazy. We're just glad that you're with us. So today we're kicking off a new series called Hidden Realities. And in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some things that we may not be able to see with our eyes, but are real. And that's a nice way of saying what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the spiritual world, right? Because the spiritual world is just as real and just as present as the physical world that we live in. And I know when you start talking about the spiritual world, sometimes people freak out and they get all nervous and they get fearful and it's not going to be like that. We're going to take a biblical overview of the spiritual world so that we can be prepared, so that we're not frightened, so that we're not afraid. Now, a lot of times when churches talk about the spiritual world, they approach it one of two ways. And I don't really think either way is right. One way is everything is about the spiritual world, right? Everything is caused by the spiritual world. Everything is caused by a demon or an angel. You know, nothing we control. Like you get in a car accident and you're like, man, the devil caused that. No, you were actually texting and ran into the car that was in front of you. It had nothing to do with the spiritual world. Or you failed your biology exam right? And you're like, man, that was a demon's been attacking me all week, and now I've failed the biology exam. No, you stayed at Tots until 2 a.m. You never opened your book, or you never looked at your professor's notes. That's why you failed the exam. So that's one extreme. Every single thing is caused by the spiritual world. Another extreme is churches don't talk about it at all, right? They kind of just hide from the topic. They never discuss it at all. So what I want to do is today, I want to just take a, a biblical overview of the spiritual world so we can be prepared. And then I want to look at who our enemy is. And our enemy is Satan. Our enemy is the devil. So again, so that we can be prepared. And then next week, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives when it comes to the spiritual battles that we face. Now, if, you'll, if you were here in the spring, we did a series called Decide Your Future. And in one of those talks in that series, we looked at the Holy Spirit. But we looked at the Holy Spirit from a perspective of how do you know it's the Holy Spirit that's speaking to you and what the Holy Spirit does uh, for a believer. We're going to take that a, a step down next week and really look at the power that we have with the Holy Spirit. And then the third week, we're going to look at demons not your three-year-old, real demons, all right? And then the fourth week, we're going to look at angels, and we're going to look at the power in the presence of God's angels, all right? So if you want to follow along any given week with the scripture verses that we use or with our learnings, you can download the Church Center app on your smartphone. And I encourage you to do that because you can do all kinds of things with that app. Whether you come once a year or every week, it'll be a beneficial tool for you. You can put in prayer requests. You can sign up for groups. You can uh, read the top three each week, kind of keep up with what's going on 
in the church. But if you don't want that, you can simply scan the QR code in the seat back or online campus. You know, that host will be more than happy to send you a link to our notes. So let's dive in in the first scripture verse that I want. And I'm going to throw a lot at you today. All right. Just know that. But the first scripture verse I want to look at is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 4. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So though we live in a physical world, there's another world. It's a hidden reality. There is a spiritual world. And the scripture tells us there's always a war waging in the spiritual world. Maybe you've heard it referred to as, you know, good versus evil or the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. But when we go through spiritual battles, and we'll talk a little bit about what a spiritual battle is, you know, it's different than a physical battle, right? It's different than like a war or a conflict in the world. And we don't use the same weapons in the spiritual world that we use in the physical world. And we're going to look at some of those weapons. So here's learning number one. Here's the only thing we need to know from that. In spiritual battles, we must engage with prayer, faith, and God's word. Those are the weapons, some of the weapons we have available to us. And where do we get that from? Well, we get it from instructions in Ephesians. And I want to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. And we're going to look at it from the message. Now, the message is a transliteration, something like the NLT or the NIV or King James is a translation. But I think it puts it so clearly for us in Ephesians. But it says this, and that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil, that's our enemy, throws your way. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. So be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll be standing on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than just words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Now that's a lot, right? That is a lot right there in that passage. And some of you know that from the NLT or the NIV. It, it talks about the armor of God and putting on the full armor of God. But I love how this explains it. And this verse is simply saying we need to be strong in the Lord, right? We need to be strong in his mighty power. In other words, the spiritual battles that we're going to face, we are not strong enough to win those in our own power. We'll get crushed. We'll get defeated. So the Bible says, hey, use the full arsenal 
of what God provides you any time to resist the devil. Now, you know, we talk about the devil, we talk about Satan. I want you to know that is your enemy. Satan absolutely positively hates your guts. He hates everybody's guts. And he spends all of his time trying to figure out how to cause us harm and and how to hurt us. I mean, that's real. This passage says this battle is for keeps. It's the real deal, in other words. So when we're in battle, a spiritual battle, we're not in battle against other people. We are in battle against Satan and his followers. Where? In the unseen world, right? In the spiritual world. We're not, we're not fighting against people. We're not fighting against you know, politicians. It's not, you know, Democrats or Republicans or they pull for this football team, so that's our enemy. It's not your ex-spouse. It's not your boss. We are in battles every single day of our lives against the powers and the principalities of the spiritual world. So we just have to realize there is another world, a hidden reality that we can't see with our eyes. And what goes on In that spiritual world, it affects our day-to-day lives, doesn't it? It affects our day-to-day lives and how we live our life. Because here's what I know. You are in the midst of a battle right now. I've got battles. You've got battles. Maybe you're in a battle and you're struggling with an addiction. That's your battle. That's your spiritual battle that you have. Or maybe you're in a battle for your marriage or for your relationship. Maybe you're in a battle for your mind, and, and maybe it's sexual purity or something like that, and you're battling to, to win that. That's a spiritual battle that you face. Maybe it's a battle with someone at work, a friendship, a family member, but we all have battles that we face, these spiritual battles, and they take a lot out of us, and that's why it affects our physical world. It affects our day-to-day living. But I want you to know something. If you're a follower of Christ, and listen, I know not everybody is there yet. A lot of you still have questions. A lot of you say, you know, I don't know what I believe. That's fine. Keep asking questions. But if you do know Christ, we need to know we are never alone in our battles. Any spiritual battle that we face, we are never alone. And there's a great story in the Old Testament that kind of alludes to this fact that we are never alone ever alone. And just to kind of set this up for you, the nation of Israel is in a battle, a physical battle, right, with the king of Aram. And Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha is the prophet of God at this time in the nation of Israel. And from all intents and purposes, it looks like the nation of Israel is getting defeated. And so Elisha's servant is freaking out because he thinks that Israel is going to lose this battle. But I want to pick this up and read it in 2 Kings just to show you uh, what's going on in the fact that we're never alone. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. When the servant of the man of God, the man of God is Elisha, got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. In other words, he sees that the nation of Israel is surrounded by these enemy forces, and he's freaking out. He's going nuts. And so he goes and he tells Elisha, 
And what does Elisha do? Well, I'll tell you what he does. He doesn't freak out. He doesn't change his battle strategy. He doesn't, you know, all right, we're going to flank left instead of flank right. Let's go talk to these surrounding countries and see if they'll send us some soldiers. He doesn't worry about it. You know what he does when he's surrounded by these enemies? He prays. Now, there's a concept. How many times are we surrounded by enemies? How many times are we struggling in the midst of a spiritual battle? And that's simply all we need to do is pray. Yet we run in a different direction. We, we try to control it in, in our own, with our own hands, in our own minds. And sometimes we just simply need to stop and pray. But I want to look at what Elisha prayed. And it's in verse 17 of chapter 6. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. He's talking about his servant. God, open his eyes. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Hidden realities. God opened up the servant's eyes to the spiritual world to show Elisha's servant, hey, you're not alone. You're never in battle alone. And we need to remember that no matter what we face, no, no matter what mind wars are going on with us or what battles we're enduring, we are never alone. God is with us. He's with us in the physical world, but he's obviously with us in the spiritual world. I think something else this little passage God teaches us in is that our prayers are powerful, right? It's one of those weapons we just read in Ephesians that we have available to us. Our prayers are incredibly powerful, more powerful than we know. And I can tell you, I've had spiritual warfare in my life, and I'm sure you've had it as well. But the worst I've ever experienced it in my life, other than uh, probably starting this church, was in the Middle East. When I went to the Middle East to train and teach pastors how to have healthy churches and how to get their churches growing again. And it was in Egypt. That was our first stop on this tour. And we got there in the evening and we started right away teaching. And and I was working through an interpreter. And I tell you, I've never seen such stone cold hardened faces of the 250 some people that were at that conference. And everything I'm teaching, and it was good stuff. Everything we're teaching, they weren't buying it. And I could feel it's hard to explain, but you could feel the oppression as soon as you got off the plane in Egypt. You could just feel the resistance to anything that had to do with God. And so that night after that session, I was miserable. I just wanted to come home. And and Satan continues to attack me. And why are you here? Why did you come? These people don't want you here. Why did you even leave corporate America and go into ministry? You have no business, blah, blah, blah. And it was about three o'clock in the morning. And I haven't slept because I've been on a plane for 15 and some hours and I couldn't sleep that night. And about three o'clock in the morning, I'm like, you dummy, why don't you just pray? And so I prayed and I said, God, you sent me over here. I got angry with God. I'm like, you caused me to do this. You caused me to do this. You caused me to do this. Now I'm here. You need to do something. And I'm telling you, I could just feel the weight lift off of me. And the next day teaching that conference and the next three days, it was a whole different group of people. And they just, you know, everything we taught them, they were writing it down. They were asking tons of questions. They loved it. 
And it really helped them to make their churches to thrive. But that's the power of prayer. And I thought, you know, I'm in this battle alone. I'm in this spiritual battle alone. But I wasn't. All I needed to do was call on God and say, hey, you need to step in and do something. So you need to know your prayers are more powerful than you probably believe. And I get sometimes we pray and, and we feel like, man, God's not listening. He's not listening to anything that I'm saying because he hasn't changed anything. Daniel felt that way. The, the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament. You Maybe you've heard of Daniel in the lion's den, right, as a kid growing up. But Daniel one time, he prays and prays, and it seems like nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, God sends an angel, a messenger, to Daniel. And I want you to look at this with me. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Then he said, this is the angel, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. This is pretty awesome. From day one, Daniel's been praying God was hearing Daniel's prayers. And God was working in the spiritual world, which we're going to see in a minute, even though Daniel didn't know it. So let me show you just how intense the spiritual world we're talking about today is. And it's in Daniel chapter 10, the very next verse, verse 13. But for 21 days, this is the angel talking to Daniel. For 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Now, this isn't a good prince, all right? This is an evil spirit. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. So here's what happened. Daniel prayed. As soon as God heard Daniel's prayer, God released his angels. And for 21 days, the Bible says, there was this battle against this evil spirit, this kingdom of Persia. And then Michael the archangel shows up and is able to hold off those evil spirits, until this other angel can go and talk to Daniel. Say, hey, Daniel, look, man, I know it's been a rough road. It feels like God's not listening, but God has heard your prayer. Again, we need to understand there is more than the physical world that we see and that we live in each and every day. There are hidden realities all around us. There is a spiritual world that's just as real and just as prevalent as our day-to-day -day world. And in that spiritual world, our prayers are incredibly powerful. So our battle is not against people. It's not against people we may even see as an enemy. It's against the powers and the principalities of the spiritual world. And it's a battle we can't win on our own. It's a battle there's no way we're going to win. In the battle that we fight in the spiritual world, all of those battles... They're for keeps. Satan's not a figment of our imagination, right? He's not just a cartoon character or a great Halloween costume on October the 31st. He's real and he plays for keeps. So let's look at what our enemy does. Because I think if you're going to understand how to fight a battle, you need to understand your enemy, right? So 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Satan, who is the God of this world, 
has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So learning number two, Satan is our spiritual enemy who wants to blind our minds to the truth about God. Satan does not want anyone to know the truth about God. He doesn't want anybody to hear the truth about God. And he especially loves to blind the minds of unbelievers. And again, I know there's a lot of you and you'd say, that's me, Scott, I'm an unbeliever. Well, here's what would happen. Let's say uh, you're hearing something about God. It could be today. And all of a sudden your mind starts to wonder. You're like, I wonder what the over-under is on the game this afternoon, right? Or did I shut the oven off this morning? That's your mind wondering. Or maybe it's you hear something during the, the week. And what that is, is that Satan is trying to blind your mind to the truth about God by distracting you, sending you down a different path, whatever he can do. Because Satan knows that especially someone who's an unbeliever hears the truth about God and the truth about Jesus, what does the truth do? Sets people free, right? So he doesn't want especially an unbeliever to hear the truth about God. So he tries to blind the minds of unbelievers. The other thing he tries to do to unbelievers and even believers is is take from them whatever God has spoken to them, the truth about God. And I think a lot of us can relate to this. You know, maybe you've had a time in your life when you can recall, it may have been before you knew Christ or after you knew Christ, but you had a thought of some spiritual thought, and you're like, man, that's intriguing. I want to look more into that. And then you wake up the next day, and it's completely gone. Or for an unbeliever, they hear something about Christ, and it intrigues them. And then a couple days later, it's not even there. They don't even remember thinking about it. Where did that even go? Where did that thought go? Look at Matthew 13, 19. Jesus here is telling a parable, and he's talking to farmers, and he's talking about seed and how, you know, the farmer scatters seed and it lands on different types of ground and has a different reaction. And this is one of them that Jesus explains. He says, the seed, which is God's word or the truth about God, that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. That's where it went. We hear the truth about God, but just as quickly, Satan can snatch that from our heart. Satan loves to steal the word of God from people who don't know God. Again, what's his goal? He doesn't want people to know who God is. He doesn't want them to know the truth because the truth will set them free. Here's something else our enemy does. Uh, Learning number three, Satan wants to keep us away from anything that has to do with God. So what he'll do is he'll set traps for us, right? To keep us and distract us away from God. He will trap us maybe into a life that's far away from God or a habit that's far away from God. Have you ever noticed this? If you've got a point of vulnerability in your life, which guess what? Every single one of us does. Every single one of us have weaknesses. We have these sinful areas that continue to draw us in. That's where he goes. He goes after whatever our weakness is 
to try to trap us and distract us. Let's say you're trying to leave a certain lifestyle. Maybe it's a party lifestyle and you're trying to get out of that and you're trying to get away from that. And then all of a sudden, your buddies show up on Friday night and they drag you right back in, right? Or you're trying to purify your mind. You're trying to clean up some of the things you think about, the lustful thoughts you have, and then all of a sudden there's this image on the computer screen and it drags you right back in. It's a spiritual battle. Those are the types of spiritual battles that we face. Or it may be with an addiction, but the good news is we're not alone in those battles. And we don't have to fall prey to what Satan tries to do to take us out. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26 says this, You never know how or when God might sober them up with a change of heart and a turning to the truth enabling them to escape the devil's trap where they are caught and held captive, forced to run his errands. See, God gives us the power to overcome and not be held captive by the traps of Satan. But it's our choice, right? We have to choose to have a relationship with God through Christ, right? We have to choose to have a relationship with Christ in order to win, in order to have God with us and fighting for us in those battles. Something else we should understand, and I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but we need to understand that if God lays it on our heart to do something, you're going to be blocked. Satan's going to try to block you. He's going to try to discourage you. He's going to try to keep you from going in that direction that God wants you to go. A lot of you have experienced this in your own life. Maybe you decide, I'm going to start working on having a godly marriage the way God wants my marriage to be. And then you have the fight of the century with your spouse. And you're you're being sidetracked. Or, you know, you talk to people and they're like, I was trying to invite this person to church or I was trying to tell them a little bit about my life. And then all of a sudden they got a phone call and they got called away to work. And I never got to have the conversation. Anytime God sends you down a path, you need to know you're going to have opposition because Satan doesn't want you to have anything to do with promoting God or God's desires on this, king, on this planet. Look at this, 1 Thessalonians 2.18. This is the apostle Paul talking. He says, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan blocked our way. Paul's saying, hey, Satan constantly tries to block the work of God. So what's he do? He tries to blind our minds, especially the minds of unbelievers. He steals the truth from unbelievers. And at times he'll try to steal the truth from believers. Oh, God didn't really say that. Look at Adam and Eve. God didn't really say don't eat from that tree. He sets up traps, right, to block us from anything to do with God's work, to distract us. That is going on all the time in the spiritual world. So when somebody says they're having a spiritual battle, they are. We need to understand Satan wants to destroy us, period. He wants to destroy our life. If you don't know Christ, he wants to keep you from ever knowing who Christ is. And if you do know Christ, he wants to make you so ineffective 
that no one will ever learn about Christ through your life or through your witness. 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Now notice, Peter compares Satan to a lion. Cats are from the lion family. Satan, lions, Satan, cats. See where I'm going? I'm kidding. Don't send me emails. I'm not going to read them. But the truth is, the evil one prowls around like a lion looking for somebody to pick off and to destroy. Now, again, if you don't know God, he's going to try to keep you from knowing God. But if you do know God, he wants to devour your children. Do you realize this? He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your friendships, your health, your, your business, your work, because he hates us. So how do we fight? That's great. Scott telling us all this, that we're in these spiritual battles and Satan's going to constantly come against us and he's going to do all these things. But how do we fight in the spiritual world? Let's go back to that verse in Ephesians and let's look at those tools that are in God's arsenal that we have. And the words that Paul used, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. Think about God's truth. When we know God's truth, we can quickly identify the lies of our enemy, right? It's like people who can distinguish counterfeit bills. There's people trained in the United States that can quickly identify counterfeit $100 bills. And the way they train them is they never show them a fake. They never show them a fake $100 bill. All they do is study and learn the real thing. And then guess what? They know the real thing inside and out. When they see a fake, they can instantly spot it. It's the way God's word works for us. If we know God's word and we know his truth, we can spot our enemy and the lies that he tries to tell us every single day. How do we learn God's word? Well, this is a good way on Sundays when we get together and we talk about it. We can learn God's word in the midst of our groups that we're involved with, or, or those of you that have a daily quiet time or even a weekly quiet time, we learn God's word. Jesus quoted scripture. He quoted God's word when he was being tempted by the devil. That's how he overcame that temptation. So truth is an incredible weapon that we have in the spiritual battles that we face. And then Paul says righteousness. We need to know that if we have a relationship with Christ, our relationship with Jesus makes us righteous. I think the NIV says the breastplate of righteousness. What's the breastplate do? It covers our heart, right? It protects our heart. Our heart will deceive us. Our heart will lie to us. But when Christ holds our heart, our heart is safe. So we don't ever have to worry in the midst of our battles what you know, the condition of our heart is. Christ has our heart. And then he says, he uses this word peace. I'm telling you, the peace that I received in the Middle East was unlike any peace I've ever received in my life. Complete peace. I, all my fear was gone. I wasn't scared of anything. I knew God was in control. We can have that peace no matter what battle you're facing no matter if you think you're losing that battle right now or not, Christ will give you peace. 
that peace gives us assurance in the middle of the spiritual battles that we face. And then he talks about faith and salvation. I think it's the helmet of salvation. Our salvation and our faith is secure. Because of what Jesus did on the cross it has nothing to do with what we did. We weren't righteous. We weren't great or anything, you know, or, or sin free. Christ saved us. And that faith and that salvation is secure. How many times does Satan try to get us to doubt our faith? I mean, just be honest about it. I, I doubt my faith sometimes. It happens. We don't have to do that. Our faith and our salvation is secure. And so when we're in the midst of a battle and, and Satan tries to accuse us like he did me and he does you all the time, we don't have to listen to that. Our faith is secure. Our salvation is secure. And then Paul again brings up prayer. Pray long and hard. Pray for yourself. Pray for other followers of Jesus, knowing just like Elisha, just like Daniel, our prayers are powerful. God steps in. So quick review, because I've thrown a lot at us. There are hidden realities that we can't see with our own eyes that are in the spiritual world. But we are never alone when we have Christ in the spiritual world. If we have a relationship with him, we're not battling alone. Our prayers are powerful. God's word is powerful. We need to use it. And above all else, we need to remember this. As believers, if you're a believer, when you're in a spiritual battle, you're not fighting for victory. Christ has already won the victory, hadn't he? We're fighting to continue to grow in our faith, and we're fighting for people who don't know Christ, to share Christ with them so that their lives can be changed the way that our lives have been changed. In fact, Scripture says this, and I'll end with this verse, 1 John 4 Four, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a battle over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. We've already won. Let's pray together. God, you know, we covered a lot today, but Lord, I just thank you so much for just opening our minds to the reality of what goes on around us all the time in the spiritual world. And God, it's comforting to know that our fear is not real. You're with us in the spiritual world. You fight with us. You fight for us. You protect us. Lord, help us to continue to learn your word so that we know all the counterfeits. We know the truth, and we know that will set us free. God, I thank you for faith and salvation that you do hold on to that for us when you give it to us. It's all because of what you did, Jesus, on the cross. And Lord, I pray for those who don't know you, that still have a lot of questions, that still need some answers. Lord, that you would continue to encourage them and call them to you. Lord, that you wouldn't give up on them. That you would help them to have a relationship with you. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Thank you for everything you do for us each and every day. We love you. Amen. I wanted to bring up our youth because we have an incredibly active middle and high school program here at the church, and they're actually doing uh, an ongoing fundraiser starting this Wednesday through 
December the 21st to raise some funds for some extras that they want to do at Passion Camp to maybe help some of those folks uh, that need a little extra help to be able to go. So they've partnered with Heathwood Markets in Blacksburg. And I don't know if you've ever eaten Heathwood Markets food, but it is, it's comfort food to the extreme. It's excellent. But every Wednesday from this Wednesday through December the 21st, anytime you pick up a grab-and-go meal for you or your family, uh, they're going to give a portion of the proceeds from that meal or meals to the youth to help out with Passion Camp. So I want to encourage you, you know, don't cook on Wednesdays. Just go to Heathwood Markets, get a good meal. It's very reasonable. Or buy a meal for your neighbor or someone who's homebound or something like that. And at the same time, you're going to help out these kids that are going to Passion Camp. So today is the last day to sign up for fall groups. It's not too late. Some of them start today, some start tomorrow. It's not too late to get in a group. So I want to encourage you to, when you go home, check out the groups page and see if there's something in there that interests you. You know, as the church grows bigger on Sundays, we grow smaller in the context of groups. But one group I can uh, tell you about that's all online, it's, it's on your own personal time, it's the Bible in a Year group. Now, we've had a group that's been reading the Bible since January, and by December, they're going to be through the entire Bible. But they just started the New Testament yesterday. So if you want to sign up for the Bible in the Year group and just read the New Testament, all you got to do is sign up today. You, they'll send you the reading plan, and then today you just read Saturday and today. And then you're caught up, and by December 31st, you'll be through the entire New Testament. And that's a great way uh, to read the New Testament in a short amount of time. So if you want to do that, uh, please feel free, but otherwise check out those groups. I thank you so much uh, for being here. Please continue to be in prayer uh, for the people who were severely impacted by uh, the hurricane this week and, and uh, the different things going on in the world. There's a lot of stuff we need to be praying for, so I want to encourage you uh, to continue to use those powerful prayers uh, to seek God's intervention. Thanks for being here. Have a great, great Sunday afternoon. God bless you guys.